Part Four of The Little Mermaid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. The Snow Queen and Other Stories by Hans Christian Andersen. Translated by H. B. Paul. The Little Mermaid. Part Four. As the days passed, she loved the prince more fondly and he loved her as he would love a little child but it never came into his head to make her his wife yet unless he married her she could not receive an immortal soul and on the morning after his marriage with another she would dissolve into the foam of the sea do you not love me best of them all the eyes of the little mermaid seemed to say when he took her in his arms and kissed her fair forehead yes you are dear to me said the prince for you have the best heart and you are the most devoted to me you are like the young maiden whom i once saw but whom i shall never meet again i was in a ship that was wrecked and the waves cast me ashore near a holy temple where several young maidens performed the service the youngest of them found me on the shore and saved my life i saw her but twice and she was the only one in the world whom i could love but you are like her and you have almost driven her image out of my mind she belongs to the holy temple and my good fortune has sent you to me instead of her and we will never part ah he knows not that it was i who saved his life thought the little mermaid i carried him over the sea to the wood where the temple stands i sat beneath the foam and watched till the human beings came to help him i saw the pretty maiden that he loves better than he loves me and the little mermaid sighed deeply but she could not shed tears he says the maiden belongs to the holy temple therefore she will never return to the world they will meet no more while i am by his side and see him every day I will take care of him and love him and give up my life for his sake. Very soon it was said that the prince must marry and that the beautiful daughter of a neighboring king would be his wife, for a fine ship was being fitted out. Although the prince gave out that he merely intended to pay a visit to the king, it was generally supposed that he really went to see his daughter. A great company were to go with him. The little mermaid smiled and shook her head. She knew the prince's thoughts better than any of the others. I must travel, he said to her. I must see this beautiful princess. My parents desire it, but they will not oblige me to bring her home as my bride. I cannot love her. She is not like the beautiful maiden in the temple whom you resemble. If I were forced to choose a bride, I would rather choose you, Madame Foundling, with those expressive eyes. And then he kissed her rosy mouth, played with her long waving hair, and laid his hand on her heart, while she dreamed of human happiness and an immortal soul. You are not afraid of the sea, Madame Child, said he as they stood on the deck of the noble ship which was to carry them to the country of the neighboring king and then he told her of the storm and of calm of strange fishes in the deep beneath them and what the divers had seen there and she smiled at his description for she knew better than any one what wonders were at the bottom of the sea in the moonlight when all on board were asleep excepting the man at the helm who was steering she sat on the deck gazing down through the clear water she thought she could distinguish her father's castle and upon it her aged grandmother with the silver crown on her head looking through the rushing tide at the keel of the vessel then her sisters came up on the waves and gazed at her mournfully wringing their white hands she beckoned to them and smiled and wanted to tell them how happy and well off she was but the cabin boy approached and when the sisters dived down he thought it was only the foam of the sea which he saw the next morning the ship sailed into the harbour of a beautiful town belonging to the king whom the prince was going to visit the church bells were ringing and from the high towers sounded a flourish of trumpets and soldiers with flying colours and glittering bayonets lined the rocks through which they passed every day was a festival balls and entertainments followed one another 
but the princess had not yet appeared people said that she was being brought up and educated in a religious house where she was learning every royal virtue at last she came then the little mermaid who was very anxious to see whether she was really beautiful was obliged to acknowledge that she had never seen a more perfect vision of beauty her skin was delicately fair and beneath her long dark eyelashes her loving blue eyes shone with truth and purity it was you said the prince who saved my life when i lay dead on the beach and he folded his blushing bride in his arms oh i'm too happy said he to the little mermaid my fondest hopes are fulfilled you will rejoice at my happiness for your devotion to me is great and sincere the little mermaid kissed his hand and felt as if her heart were already broken his wedding morning would bring death to her and she would change into the form of the sea all the church bells rang and the heralds rose above the town proclaiming the betrothal perfumed oil was burning in costly silver lamps on every altar the priests waved the censers while the bride and bridegroom joined their hands and received the blessing of the bishop the little mermaid dressed in silk and gold held up the bride's train but her ears heard nothing of the festive music and her eyes saw not the holy ceremony she thought of the night of death which was coming to her and of all she had lost in the world on the same evening the bride and bridegroom went on board the ship cannons were roaring flags waving and in the centre of the ship a costly tent of purple and gold had been erected it contained elegant couches for the reception of the bridal pair during the night the ship with swelling sails and favourable wind glided away smoothly and lightly over the calm sea when it grew dark a number of coloured lamps were lit and the sailors danced merrily on deck the little mermaid could not help thinking of her first rising out of sea when she had seen similar festivities and joys and she joined in the dance poised herself in the air as a swallow when he pursues his prey and all present cheered her with wonder she had never danced so elegantly before her tender feet felt as if cut with sharp knives but she cared not for it a sharper pang had pierced through her heart she knew this was the last evening she should ever see the prince for whom she had forsaken her kindred and her home she had given up her beautiful voice and suffered unheard of pain daily for him while he knew nothing of it this was the last evening that she should breathe the same air with him or gaze on the starry sky and the deep sea an eternal night without a thought or a dream awaited her she had no soul and now she could never win one all was joy and gaiety on board the ship till long after midnight she laughed and danced with the rest while the thoughts of death were in her heart the prince kissed his beautiful bride while she played with his raven hair till they went arm in arm to rest in the splendid tent then all became still on board the ship the helmsman alone awake stood at the helm the little mermaid leaned her white arms on the edge of the vessel and looked towards the east for the first blush of morning for that first ray of dawn that would bring her death she saw her sisters rising out of the flood they were as pale as herself for the long beautiful hair waved no more in the wind and had been cut off we have given our hair to the witch said they to obtain help for you that you may not die to-night she has given us a knife here it is see it is very sharp before the sun rises you must plunge it into the heart of the prince when the warm blood falls upon your feet they will grow together again and form into a fish's tail and you will be once more a mermaid and return to us to live out your three hundred years before you die and change into the salt sea foam haste then here you must die before sunrise our old grandmother mourned so for you that her white hair is falling off from sorrow as yours fell under the witch's scissors kill the prince and come back hasten do you not see the first red streaks in the sky 
In a few minutes the sun will rise, and you must die, and then the sight deeply and mournfully, and sank down beneath the waves. The little mermaid drew back the crimson curtain of the tent, and beheld the fair bride with her head resting on the prince's breast. She bent down and kissed his fair brow, then looked at the sky on which the rosy dawn grew brighter and brighter. Then she glanced at the sharp knife, and again fixed her eyes on the prince, who whispered the name of his bride in his dreams. She was in his thoughts, and the knife trembled in the hand of the little mermaid. Then she flung it far from her into the waves. The water turned red where it fell, and the drops that spurted up looked like blood. She cast one more lingering, half-fainting glance at the prince, and then threw herself from the ship into the sea, and thought her body was dissolving into foam. The sun rose above the waves, and his warm rays fell on the cold foam of the little mermaid, who did not feel as if she were dying. She saw the bright sun, and all around her floated hundreds of transparent beautiful beings. She could see through them the white sails of the ship and the red clouds in the sky. Their speech was melodious, but too ethereal to be heard by mortal ears, as they were also unseen by mortal eyes. The little mermaid perceived that she had a body like theirs, and that she continued to rise higher and higher out of the foam. "'Where am I?' asked she, and her voice sounded ethereal, as the voice of those who were with her. No earthly music could imitate it. "'Among the daughters of the air,' answered one of them, "'a mermaid has not an immortal soul, nor can she obtain one unless she wins the love of a human being. On the power of another hangs the eternal destiny. But the daughters of the air, although they do not possess an immortal soul, can, by their good deeds, procure one for themselves. We fly to warm countries and cool the sultry air that destroys mankind with the pestilence. We carry the perfume of flowers to spread health and restoration, after we have striven for three hundred years to all the good in our power, we receive an immortal soul and take part of the happiness of mankind. You, poor little mermaid, have tried with your whole heart to do as we are doing. You have suffered and endured and raised yourself to the spirit world by your good deeds, and now, by striving for three hundred years in the same way, you may obtain an immortal soul. The little mermaid lifted her glorified eyes towards the sun and felt them, for the first time filling with tears. On the ship in which she had left the prince there were life and noise. She saw him and his beautiful bride searching for her. Sorrowfully they gazed at the pearly foam, as if they knew she had thrown herself into the waves. Unseen she kissed the forehead of the bride, and fanned the prince, and then mounted with the other children of the air to a rosy cloud that floated through the ether. After three hundred years, thus shall we float into the kingdom of heaven, said she. And we may even get there sooner, whispered one of her companions. Unseen we can enter the houses of men where there are children, and for every day on which we find a good child, who is the joy of his parents, and deserves their love, our time of probation is shortened. The child does not know, when we fly through the room, that we smile with joy at his conduct, for we can count one year less of our three hundred years. But when we see a naughty or wicked child, we shed tears of sorrow, and for every tear a day is added to our time of trial. End of the Little Mermaid Part 4 Recording by Ellie March 2010